Welcome, fans, to Enter the Hexadome, the fourth best podcast about Aristia. Seven. Today I've got Jason. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, you've been playing RSDF longer than me, I think. Is that right? Because I've been playing it for like uh, three months, four months. You've been playing it for ages. So you're the expert here. Uh, well, in theory, yes. Uh, my wife and I were lucky enough to be part of the playtesting team oh, really? um, for the original general release box. Um, so yeah, we have been playing Aristea for a little while, or at least versions of Aristea for a little while. Um, by the time they brought in... Oh, yes, yes. You, you literally can blame me for Mushashi. <laughs> I defended Mushashi in his current form, despite the fact that I'm a vocal opponent of Mushashi in his current form. It's all my fault. It's it, not it, just it's okay. my fault. Recently, I've been feeding, feeding him, him Valkyrie, and that works pretty well. Initially, <laughs> seven Valkyrie works pretty well against him, turns out. It, it is true. Um, he's he's tough, but he's not unbeatable, and that was that was always the point, right? He is supposed to be the definitive Malie Aristo, and he is the definitive Malie Aristo. Without telling it to the about Shashi again, I think it's um, his cards, action point cards. Yeah. Yeah, action points are too powerful to give out willy nilly. It's very true. It's it's astonishing um, how important. Well, I guess uh, to anyone who plays Infinity or any other um, similarly engined war game, it's not that surprising that the um, action point economy, which is equivalent to the order economy in Infinity, um, is one of the most important aspects of Aristea. Of course it is, right? More activations is more good. It's like uh, Celerity back when we were playing all playing Vampire back in the 90s. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was so banned, wasn't it? I mean, I, I yep. like how the, the newer versions completely changed the rules for that because it was just, yeah, get, have five actions rather than one. Oh, look, it's really OP. Who knew? Oh, what a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So- um so um, today we're here to talk about cards, um, speaking of cards, um, because they've released new, two new decks. They have, and both of them look very exciting, like yeah. just deliciously, deliciously exciting. Um, presumably you haven't played the games with them yet, I haven't got hold of them yet, I'm not sure whether you have or not. No, no, I haven't. Um, we, I mean, Ed, so I'm a war corps, so I do occasionally get stuff early, but this hasn't been something that we've benefited from um, on the war corps program this time around. So I'm waiting along with everyone else down in New Zealand for these to arrive. I uh, will probably buy them from our local outlet, uh, which for us is Mighty Ape. Um, who will be familiar, hopefully, to most gamers in New Zealand and Australia at least. They're a very good online retailer. But uh, for us here in Auckland, they're also a physical store that we can go and visit and a gaming space that we regularly play in for our local Aristea group. How many people play Aristea in New Zealand? Well, in New Zealand overall, it's hard for us to get a real feel um, because there 
aren't great connections between what in theory are communities in different cities. Um, Mighty Ape informed us that they've sold copies all up and down the country. But um, here in Auckland, there's probably about six, maybe eight um, core players who are playing relatively regularly, or at least, you know, the semblance of regularly. The uh, heart of that group um, are the... Um, uh, 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 the Tempest Hexadome team, uh, led by our excellent uh, local Aristea Walker James. Um, and uh, if you're interested in checking them out, you should um, head over to YouTube after this podcast, of course, and uh, check out um, Tempest Wargaming. Tempest Wargaming oh, the is the name today. of the, the plug. Yeah, plug, plug, plug. Hey, plugs. I haven't even gotten to my blog yet. I'll mention that at some point. I promise. Come on, let's get one. Let's get one now, shall we? Let's get one out of the way now. Come on. Yeah, you sure? Okay. Yeah, do it. Well, I mean, <laughs> people who know who I am will know that I'm heart of the hyperpower. Um, I'm Mr. Panosiania. Uh, I'm the guy who cheerleads for Panosiania no matter what the context is. So I'm a Panosianian cheerleader in the um, Infinity War game, and I'm a huge fan of Panosiania and have um, deep knowledge of the RPG background. And um, obviously, I play an all Aristea team in. Um, uh, Aristea, I play an all Panosianian team in Aristea, the Deepwater Dragons, um, and uh, I have them set up uh, coming from Deepwater on Varuna, which is the primary orbital elevator. You know, the one rainy place on the Paradise Planet. <laughs> um, I actually know a huge amount about, about the background for, for Infinity. I know a bit um, in sort of broad strokes, really. Although I've sort of picking up the Infinity books, and um, I think I played like sort of three games of Infinity the past sort of few weeks, which are my first three games pretty much ever. Um, it's a very good skirmish war game. Um, it's pretty cool. It, I, I mean, um, it's te- it scares me at first because I think um, being used to playing games like, well, mostly Guild War, but playing that for a lot, where the rules yep. quite small. Um, the Infinity War book is not. Then again, the actual core rules for Infinity are super simple. It's just that I guess you haven't got to learn all the rules for Infinity. Like you haven't got to learn all the, all the abilities because there's so many of them. Your team might have like only a few of them. Exactly. It, the key is always just to learn what you have. And then work from there, um, which is why I was a little disappointed to see that this season um, the Carano mod has been stepped back. Um, and I understand that there's what did they call it? Um, general play? No, not general. Open open play. There's the open play category where you can pick up anything. But I, the Carano mod was amazing for us when we were introducing Aristea. Um, into our community just playing with the same four aristos for like a solid period of time over a series of different scenarios um and against a a wide variety of different opposition was a really good way for people to learn and to really learn in depth their own team but also to kind of keep getting exposed to new elements as they contacted other people's team Um, and so seeing that mod pulled back away from i guess general tournament play was um a little bit frustrating for us but i can understand that it wasn't internationally popular so something had to go i guess yeah the game's got a lot of moving parts to it and i mean because all the scenarios were differently if you change your team all the time and then change scenarios you could sort of play a lot of games and not learn very much yeah i agree um, um sure. and i've definitely seen people who suffer from that problem obviously not just in aristea but all over the place um people who just can't stick with something long enough to actually get a 
good understanding of it, then get frustrated because they're not learning anything, their skills aren't developing, and then quit. Um, and I, I always find that confusing um, because it's like that's just not how learning happens. Yeah, for sure. So I'm trying to stick with, stick with an eight for a while and still stick with it, probably until at least Christmas. Yeah, Christmas yeah, exactly. Really, and to work out how, how it works because otherwise, yeah, it's, it's like science, isn't it? You change, one, you change five things at once, you've got no idea what's going on. Exactly. Um, no controls. Exactly, no controls. Anyway, the decks, um, there's two of them. Yeah. Um, so one's called TCOM and one's called Sterling Forge uh, for reasons that are beyond me. Do, does anyone have any idea what TCOM stands for? I well, mean, I mean, you're, you're, the, you're the guy in the spark fluff here. Is it? Is it? Is I, it wish I, no, I wish is I. I wish I could say. Sponsors' names is TCOM. No, they're not a sponsor. Yeah, I, I, I've got lots of guesses, um, but I've got no solid answers. It must be an acronym because it's all capitalized. Yeah, they don't just all cap stuff sounds like, like a that. Character of Marcher. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you're right. It does. <laughs> Forge Sterling Forge. Um, but yeah, basically, one of the decks is kind of pure deck manipulation and one's kind of pure dice thumping um yeah i think it's important to realize that if you want to wear how this works you start with 10 cards in our stay normally 10 core cards and you add eight cards to your deck uh two from each aristo and these 10 cards replace your your 10 core cards that you normally get so certain of those core cards you just won't get them in your in your in your sort of starting in your game so for example both these decks have no no card in Crucially, I think that's going to be an enormous that is, factor. That's the, the biggest factor, I think. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the number 15 slot in all three of the decks, they're very, very powerful cards. Yeah, they are huge. Uh, yeah. They're being balanced against the loss of a pure denial card, like it's your counter spell for those of you who play Magic. I'd argue um, that TCOM has some denial in it that is kind of a bit no like. It does. Um, it does. And I. I think TCOM is probably going to miss having a no less than Sterling Forges. Yes, for sure. Um, and and for, for those of you following along at home, TCOM is the deck which is dedicated to tactic manipulation. It, it's all about draw, um, whereas Sterling Forge is the deck that's all about dice manipulation. Um, and so Sterling Forge is... Sterling Forge is going to hurt, especially when it comes up against a team which is solidly designed around denial. Um, so if you've got if you've got a standard deck, so you've got your No, and you've also got Tawu, and you've also got some card cycling built in, um, so that you can deny tactics several times. Uh, a Sterling Forge based um, tactics deck up against that is probably going to be quite frustrated um so those of you who've played red versus blue and magic it's that kind of experience <laughs> lots of great love- action going on but it's all just being denied <laughs> i said blue. um so the first sort of uh, sort of three deck car types in tcom there's one you know there's, there's sort of two cars add yellows two that add blues and two that add oranges like your sort yeah. of like your dodges your focuses and take aims but crucially they aren't the same card per set. Like the two yellows are different. The two blues are different. The two oranges. Uh, the yeah, it's not like the standard deck. No. So basically, they all add a yellow to the roll. Um, they all have the base ability on the draw two tactics cards. Put one from your hand to the bottom or top of your deck. Um, yeah, you may draw two tactics if you do choose two tactics from your hand and return them to the top or bottom of your deck. Deck cycle. Um, yeah, and you can um, split them. You could stick one on the top and one on the bottom, which is great. Yeah. Um, and each sort of set of cards, each sort of yellow, each blue, each orange, has one card that can be used for any role. 
and one card that can't be used for attack rolls. Yeah, before making a roll that is not an attack roll. Which isn't, so that's fairly significant. Yeah, it's not actually a huge number of rolls. So basically, looking at uh, dodge rolls, uh, you're looking at uh, brawn rolls and using your abilities uh, on attacks, like um, hexes, yeah, actions. Um, hexes, gotcha, that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, there are certain styles of team build, like the the softer team builds, which are more around displacement and placement of Aristos, who are really going to love TCOM because they're not going to feel that loss of extra dice in their attack rolls as much. Um, if you're running a team and it's focused around Aristos who are action-based and rather than fragging, you're more interested in displacing the opposition, you're more interested in moving them around and moving your team around and playing that positioning game, then TCOM's just going to be amazing for you but the thing is that seems to run relatively counter to the meta at the moment um we seem to be in quite a damage heavy frag heavy aggressive meta uh, for a variety of reasons um we are we are but um i'm not i mean i haven't seen enough other metas other than my own to know how well that does against pure control well i i wonder whether tcom is going to make the difference there um i i feel like pure control is something that theoretically should be strong and theoretically should be a viable strategy in the game and i think that if you take a team with say um hexa and oberon and um eight ball and focus more along um, controlling the position of enemy aristos over literally beating them to death um, then tcom's going to be a deck which is going to help you more um, because it's also going to be assisting you on the tactics side where uh, a lot of those decks are a lot of those aristos have very strong tactics um, and tactics that you're going to be wanting to pull into reliably to help with that control to help give you that extra edge and uh, the tcom is just brilliant for that you're just constantly going to be cycling through and pulling the things that you need and cycling past the stuff that you don't need in that moment i think abel was gonna love this stuff because he has some pretty powerful moving effects and also he loves having more dice to roll because he can use switches to make himself to space further exactly um, and his his actions suffer from having quite small dice pools yeah, it's always been one of the problems with that Aristo. Uh, of course, the instant you add any more dice onto those base effects, he becomes enormously powerful. Yeah, for sure. Then again, I can see him also benefiting from from, from rolls as well. So, um, yes. So that's the first sort of uh, sort of six cards um, uh, we have there. Um, so then the other sort of uh, is it five cards? Let's see, one, two, three, four cards are basically sort of individual, aren't they? Yes. Um, so, so the first one of those firewall. is a mental. Oh, firewall. Yep, sure. So uh, broken good, firewall. That my block. Sorry, so see, <laughs> see, broken yeah. firewall. Um, so uh, during the action step of the activation, look at your opponent's hand, choose a tactic, return that to the top or bottom of the deck. So that's kind so of this like, is one of those soft nose that you were talking about. Yeah, it's it's potent. I mean, if anything else, looking at their hand is pretty good in itself. Yeah. It's always good to know what your opponent does or doesn't have in that moment, especially if they are running a standard deck or they do have Taowu, knowing whether they have the ability to to deny you something is certainly going to be worthwhile. Um, yeah, so I think that card's pretty sort of, sort of self-explanatory, really, how good it is. A mental bug was one mentioned next, wasn't it? Yes. So that one is straight up allowing you to... 
Uh, of course. Now I have to. There we go. Um, so during the activation step of one of your character's activations, you're choosing a player, and the chosen player must discard two tactics chosen randomly. If they've only got one tactic, they have to discard it. So, yeah. Um, again, it's denying cards from your opponent's hand. It's a little bit less targeted, not getting the bonus ability of looking into their hand and seeing what they've got. But you're taking two of their tactics out. So again, this is this is softer, a softer form of denial than no, but it's still an effective form of denial. Um, yeah. So even though this deck hasn't got a no in it, it has got sort of several soft no's, and also it may well. I mean, if if Poon has one no in the deck, they have to work out when they're going to play it. And yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> that's great. Either way, one, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, if the if your opponent is playing no on either of these tactics, you, it's a, they've effectively worked. Yeah, they've, they've um, done exactly what you wanted them to. Next up is prime time, which I think is probably one of the most powerful cards in the game. Yeah, I, so this is a tactic that appears in one version or another. So there's, it's got two different names, but it appears in both the TCOM and the Sterling Forge. And being able to activate a switch without spending any symbols is just so strong. And especially strong for some Aristos who often aren't particularly popular choices at the moment. And so this is one of those tactics that I think has at least the potential to start having real meta influence. Um, so above and beyond, you know, that idea I was talking about earlier that TCOM may help to encourage um, a softer control style team over the more aggressive frag teams that we see more commonly. Um, I think that um, Primetime and its uh, compatriot over in the Sterling Forge deck um, encourage the play of Aristos that we don't see as often, um, like Bixi, but like Bichet, or Bixie, as she's more commonly known. Yeah, her, um, is it three shields against Switch? Is that right? Yeah, three shields on a um, roll that doesn't have any defensive dice, naturally. Yeah, it's rough. Um, I mean, for, for any reason, that's three action points. Getting one more is just huge. It is. Um, so, yeah, uh, and it's the the fact that you're playing at the beginning of the switches step is also great. Um, so you're you're able to play this after you've seen whether or not you're going to have the um, symbols to activate any of those switches naturally. So you're not having to commit bef- without knowledge. I also um, like it because it removes that problem where you might do a switch that burns up shields, which means you take damage on return. Absolutely. Uh, like find a boss switch that takes uh, subtracts movement. Yeah. Um, it does an attack. You might want to, want to you know, soak <laughs> the return damage. Um, it's got so many uses to it. I mean, the fact it's in both decks, I first thought it would be in this deck, uh, but it's in both. Um, but yeah, yeah I think just... it fits here it's it's strange uh, i my initial response was the same i thought oh that's that's a perfect tcom thing and then i was super surprised to see it again in sterling forge but when it comes down to it there are an awful lot of switches like you know just think of two of the classics wild bill and mushashi um they both have super aggressive combat switches um and it makes sense that this is just as useful for the likes of them as it is for Bichet. Um, the, the, them pulling their extra attacks is obviously a core element of what makes them such fantastic Aristos. Um, but I think 
particularly in the TCOM deck, which is going to be a little bit more focused on that um, softer control side, generally speaking, though I'm sure there are people already out there who have great ideas on how to make use of this to create an even more aggressive combat deck. <laughs> um, I think it is going to, I think this is going to particularly favor um, the likes of Bichet, who have switches that are just very difficult to hit, but have a massive impact on their gameplay. And uh, finally, what if? Which is a superb card. I really like it because there are some Aristos who you basically want to have more than two of their cards. Um, yes. So what if basically allows you to pull out one of your character's tactics that hasn't been chosen as a two they normally have in your deck, then put it in your hand. Which is just incredible. I mean, um, so it's during the action step of any of your characters, um, you're getting to pull a card that's functionally not in the game and pull it into the game. And not just into the game, but directly into your hand. It's like take it takes stick to the plan it takes the concept of stick to the plan and just takes it up a notch um because you can this isn't tied you don't have to make this this decision before the game this is something you can decide on the fly you've got you've literally got eight cards that you didn't initially choose from your four aristos that are sitting off to the side you can choose to pull any one of those into your hand depending on what the tactical situation in the hexagon is in that moment and you probably are going to go into each match with an idea of which one is going to be the most useful but in the moment you can make any other choice that you want and that's just going to be so powerful i mean the number of combinations it has is it's just staggering but thinking of like valkyrie and i take valkyrie and i'll take her um immobilized card because i would yes. and her plus three movement point card uh, yep. but she's got a plus two blue dice card and she has a do damage by looking at them card and, Both of which are amazing. Yeah, and she can just go, okay, I, I really want two blue dice. I really want to just damage someone who's already wounded and two of them might one dice. And you can just do that now. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, at, that uh, uh, Maximus over there has two health left. Mm, how about you just go away now? Thanks, bye. Yeah, and it flat ignores, you know, other, other um, defenses he might have. Um, again, when looking at Maximus, he has, he has Scram, um, which you're probably always going to take. Um, yeah. Again, his card that... Um, and probably adamantine as well. Um, yes, but his third card is immobilized, which is pretty good, but a bit, but a bit clutch. Exactly, and and also again block, which is adding two blue dice, uh, another solid choice, but one which often kind of falls by the wayside in terms of selection because people are often going for new abilities in their tactics over dice advantage, um, which there's probably a conversation to be had around the usefulness of dice advantage and uh, maybe questioning that tendency because uh, it's certainly something that I've personally experienced uh, when I have run Maximus and Valkyrie and taken both of those tactics along with Aristos that make heavy use of shields you can really you can lean into that you can lean into that kind of edge in terms of overall dice that you're going to be rolling throughout the game um, and sometimes that can be even better than having those extra abilities though heck adamantine it's hard to argue with isn't it yeah it really is and like cosmo i think every one of cosmos cards is amazing yes everything, everything exactly <laughs> another example of an aristo where the ability to pull any of those into your hand at the mo in the moment that you need it is going to be incredible. In, in fact, I, I wonder whether what if having what if in your deck might make you put 
one of the cards that you really want, leave one of the cards that you really want out of your deck. Because it's so it's that you can pull it into your hand. Yeah. So straight away you can have it out of your deck. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, so, so it's almost like a search your deck card, isn't it? Yeah, um, it's... Uh, this so when when I was talking earlier about the number fifteen slot, so that's where no sits in the standard deck, and that's when what if sits in this deck. Um, and we'll talk about um, Sterling Forge in just a second. They, like these are all incredibly powerful cards, and what if in and of itself, <clears throat> taken out of context of the deck that it's sitting in, is incredible. It's ridiculous. Like it's it's a bonkers card. But the thing to keep in mind is that it is sitting in that no slot, and no is equally a, an incredibly powerful, basically bonkers card. Like, it is it is so good. And losing it is one of the key disadvantages as soon as you make the choice to go to either TCOM or Sterling Forge. It's a it's a very significant thing to keep in mind. Yeah, there's a lot of tough, choice, tough choices there. There really is. Um, so Sterling Forge um, is basically, it removes all that sort of card draw. In fact, as far as I know, it has no real card draw at all. I'm mistaken. Mm, no, not not a not a single thing. So um, the only way you're going to get card draw in this game in this deck is by scoring VPs or by doing frags. Yeah, I think this is this is going to be a deck build which is hyper aggressive. You're going to be aiming for frags. That's going to be the card draw that you're looking to get. And to be fair, that's the way a lot of people seem to be approaching Aristea at the moment. Anyway, um, a, a very aggressively very moving forward and Sterling Forge plays into that. I think it's someone like Oberon having him as your sort of supporter Visto. Yeah, that's the thing. Hexa, Oberon, they're going to be, they're going to be frustrated um, by the not being able to play all of their dice, but at the same time, having built in reroll. So the, the, the default ability here um, that you can reroll one dice before the critical block and switches step. Every time you're adding a dice, having a re-roll built in when you add a die is just incredible. Um, it, now, they have wisely added the restriction that you can't re-roll more than once. Um, but at the same time, it's it, it's going to be a, a huge factor in terms of reliability. Um, being able to regularly re in addition to adding dice into your into your roles um, is going to make Sterling Forge a little bit, a little bit better kind of consistently across the board in terms of its defense, in terms of its ability to activate switches, in terms of its damage output. And again, um, like the first deck, the um, TCOM deck, this deck basically half the cards can only be used in combat. Yeah. So you've got the, it's, it, you, it's like the standard deck. You've got your two, two dodges, two take aims and two focuses. But in terms of Sterling Forge, um, one of the dodges can only be used on a combat role. Um, one of the take aims can only be used on a combat role. One of the focuses can only be used on a combat role. And every one of those does have that extra ability allowing you to reroll. Um, now, obviously I, I, I think restricting to combat roles only is something that you're barely going to feel in a um, team build that's designed to make use of Sterling Forge. Um, what do you think about that? Um, generally, yeah, I think um, you're going to have to go for aggression in this sort of deck. I mean, say you might have someone like Oberon to get some card draw or Wyball to get some card draw, but generally speaking, you're going to have to go for the go for the kill of actually for VP. I guess helps a lot for that as well. But um, um, I think you have to try and get the get the get the um early sort of cards from frag so 
yeah, combat role usage for the cards isn't really a big issue, I think. Um, <laughs> both, both these decks, be very careful that, because they're new, you'll have to pay, sort of pay, pay close attention to how you're playing them and how your opponent is, because people will play them by accident. They're bound to. That is, yeah, that's, that's going to be very true. Now, I, I think a mistake has been made. Personally, I feel like um, Corvus Belly have made an error, because the way that they've done the different versions of the... Um, tactics so if you're the so the sterling forge equivalent of take aim is two cards with different titles the first one's called precision and the second one's called effectiveness um and they sit in slots 11 and 12 um in in the sterling forge deck and now precision and precision can only be played before making a combat roll and effectiveness can be played before making any roll um and the, the, obviously the titles are different, and, and uh, if you're experienced with the deck, you're going to recognize them instantly. Now, the artwork is also very subtly different. The background changes color, and um, <laughs> the images on both, it's, it's Shona Carano hitting Cosmo. And in one of them, Cosmo's eyes are little, <laughs> little X's. <laughs> In precision, his eyes have been replaced with little exits, kind of implying that Shona Carano has just taken Cosmo out. And in effectiveness, Cosmo's eyes are still the little round circles, implying that Cosmo's tanked the hit. And it's <laughs> it, it, it's it's amusing. Um, and the color changing color uh, palette between the two tactics is is good. Like I I, I like it as a concept. Um, but I don't know if it makes a clear enough distinction between the two tactics. I think I would have preferred that they actually had completely different art to highlight the fact that the timing on them is different. And that's actually going to be quite important. I can see a lot of people accidentally cheating um, and playing precision when they shouldn't be. Yeah, it's going to happen. It's inevitable, I think. Absolutely inevitable. Um, and uh, you've got the same issue back in the TCOM deck. It's the same situation. The 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 tactics that you can play generally are, may, are distinguished from the tactics that you can play only on roles that aren't in combat. Um, again, by some minor changes in the art um, and a change in the background color. And I think it's going to be very easy for people to make that make those errors. Um, and and that's a little unfortunate. I think that could have been helped by a complete change in the art. But at the same time, I understand why they did it. They are supposed to kind of be different versions of the same card. I can I, I, like I, I think I, I see the flavor choice that they're making to use a, a, a variant of the art to show the connection between the two cards. But I guess I see the distinction as being more important. Yeah, I think so. Um, going on to these sort of separate cards then. Um, yeah. First up on my list, we have uh, By Inches. Uh, oh yes kind of in some ways like a mini um holographic site kind of it basically can make an action have uh, one less range so sorry, sorry a minimum range of one less or maximum range of one more um, so the maximum range of one more that's like holographic site holographic site doesn't play with minimum ranges no. so this is this is the only tactic that does that and and that can be huge for um some of those ranged aristos i think i think it's more more important than that than actually the, the extension to it yes I agree yeah, wholeheartedly. Someone like someone having a minimum range of one rather than two, or two rather than three, is a big deal. A lot of rage characters have minimum ranges of two, for example. And Luna's obviously three, but minimum range of two. Luna is one. the yeah. Luna's the only one with a minimum. 
three. Um, and for her, it's big deals, it is. But like going from two to one means often engaging someone is quite a big sort of counterplay to that. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, well. Dart, I mean, the, the, the art has Dart um, shooting Hexa, um, and Dart is one of the Aristos who are going to benefit from this the most. Um, she is a, she's a classic example of an Aristo who is just hurt very badly by people simply moving up into contact with her. Um, but being able to drop her range to one um, and, and just use her standard attack against somebody who's adjacent without having to try and slip away first is is going to be very good for her um especially keeping in mind that this is in the sterling forge deck where it's harder to add dice to your evade rolls because half of the dice that this deck adds you can only use in combat rolls so um it's it's interesting to consider some of those little synergies or anti-synergies as they may be um inside of these decks um this is like this is a great card by inches is fantastic but uh, the aristos who have those range restrictions are going to need something like this more because of the environment that the sterling forge deck creates for them they're going to be less likely to be able to disengage effectively Shuri Kurano, her sword becomes um, one, two, or two, three. Yeah, <laughs> that's I, like that's pretty huge. More than two, um, two. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I get what they were doing, but yeah, I. Well, dazzling her really hurts. Sword. So that's a, a big deal. <laughs> uh, Dirty Trick is the same as um, the previous card, who's prime you know, time. Prime time, except it's got a better picture. Um, yeah, oh, see, oh, yeah. See, I'm in, I'm in two minds about that. I do really like the <laughs> um, image from Prime Time, though. It's to be fair. Um, Deadpool throwing a box of chocolates at Maximus is uh, a, 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 an image which is hard to get out of your head. <laughs> it's worth the, it is worth the price of the car pack on its own. <laughs> it's superb. Um, <laughs> I've I've got to be honest. I will be taking this. Um, oh no, we don't get multiple languages in this. In this, do we? Oh, do we not? We only. Oh no, 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 no! I think they're selling these separately by language. That's surprising. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think we get all the different language versions. I was about to say, I'll take the different language version of this card and make a banner out of it um, <laughs> to use on my Aristea table, um, which, for reference purposes, is a fantastic use of all of the artwork from those different language cards that's that you've all got sitting that's around. <laughs> never thought of that you could do couldn't you um, um yeah great card um i owe my luck next which has got hannibal on which is appropriate because it's all about re-rolls um choose the result of any two orange blue or yellow and we roll them no i'm lying i'm lying i'm lying I'm, I'm it no it's it's choose not it is literally yeah, choose, choose the, result. the result pick that um, pick that dice up pick pick up two of your dice to it can be orange or blue or yellow in any combination and set them down on the face that you want to have facing up so make your orange into two damage make your blue into two shields yeah or make your yellow into two specials maybe <laughs> i don't know is, is that the choice you make when you're rolling yellows it might I wonder even whether be, maybe it could even be at a pinch turn your yellow into a hit because they're rare. <laughs> you never know or, or uh, like, a, depending on the the nature of the role that you're trying to make, like there's there's always that face that has one of each. <laughs> and the joy Usually of the, quite um, yeah, the, the joy of the previous card, the, the next card reload is you can play this card more than once. Ah, uh, no, 
No, I don't think this one works with reload, does it? Oh, as we do. oh I'm, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. I'm cheating, aren't I? I owe my luck is at the beginning of the switches oh, right. step. Oh, I am cheating. And already. reload is pulling, take all the standard tactics whose text contains before making a roll oh. or before making a combat they roll. Are, I don't believe what I tell you. I'm always wrong. They oh, are. no, 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 not at all. It's like. I own my luck is a tactic that you like definitely want to be able to use more than once. And this is the one that's sitting in slot number 15. So this is the, this is the Sterling Forge's equivalent of what if and equivalent of no. And boy, oh boy, <laughs> is, is it a solid equivalent? Um, but yeah, the timing, the timing is not the same as the other normal reroll cards but i've got to say this is my personal favorite of all of the pieces of artwork um, cool. yeah and it's it's also the cover art for the box um that that image of hannibal just taking cover as some something enormous explodes in the background is just glorious <laughs> we'll plug it together <laughs> oh yeah um and finally reload um which um allows you to basically take all your before making a roll um, cards. So your base six cards you get deck, as well as any ones you might get from your restos, and put them back into your deck and draw a card. Yeah, that's yeah. That, uh, <laughs> it's interesting how much is going on there. Like uh, reshuffling all of your before making a roll and combat roll tactics back into your deck and drawing. Um, the combination makes reload really, really good. Um, it's interesting. It, even more than I own my luck, reload seems to be the tech that that uh, people online, at least, or at least in some of the discussions I've been seeing, um, this is the tech that the people have focused on from Sterling Forge um, when they're talking about how strong this choice for the standard deck is. Um, and I think they're right. The ability... I mentioned it earlier when we were talking about pulling cards in um, using what if, uh, but the ability to maintain a dice advantage over your opponent throughout a match can be huge. And that's exactly what Reload is doing. It's allowing you to continue to play additional dice into your rolls with tactics at that in those last couple of turns often where the the the, the tactic deck will often run out yeah it means it's sort of late game sort of turn sort of four or five uh, when your car pulls maybe shrinking um and your your opponent may be sort of being careful where to play their cards you can just kind of throw your cards down like the confetti just more cards more cards more revolves and just not yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and it's gonna give you the opportunity to to put more dice into those clutch rolls at the end of the match, which are often often deciding the match. Um and and into which you often wouldn't normally have dice. I mean, I'm sure everyone listening can think of at least one game of Aristea that they've played where it's been late in turn four or in turn five and they've been literally playing for the game making a play which is going to decide the match and they haven't been able to add any extra dice in because they're out of tactics it's it's a thing that often happens um unless you're running hannibal but now unless you're running hannibal or sterling forge i think um it's certainly a very strong deck but i think both of them are um this deck here i mean my my eight that i'm playing right now Written the blog before is very tank heavy, so kind of denial deck yeah. really in some ways because it's all about not dying 
and yeah. soaking damage, and it does that pretty well. Like it's, I played numerous games now against um, Bill and Mushashi in the same team because let's be honest here, since both of them onto my eight, I'm playing against them quite a lot. Yeah, and it's done quite a good job at, at soaking them. Um, and so against these sort of decks, if they can't get the advantage of, of Fags and VP, they aren't going to see like these cards. Yeah, um, which is I yeah, guess they, the way of balancing it out. The I, I think it's important to keep in mind what you're giving up. So when you think about this standard deck, obviously you've got six six tactics. So you've got your two dodges, your two take aims, your two focuses. And obviously one of the advantages of the standard deck is that those can be all be played on any Whatever dice roll. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't have those restrictions of TCOM and Sterling Forge in terms of the timing of half of those additional dice. Um, and obviously you're giving up no. Fortune favors the badass. I don't think I don't think anyone's particularly excited when they draw that tactic. And I don't think anyone's going to be particularly sad at the idea that they no longer have that tactic in their deck. <laughs> um, but catch your breath and stick to the plan. Like, how often do we chat about how important it is to get that early card advantage, to get that early tactics advantage, to have those in your opening draw. And how often do you mulligan to get them? Um, never, really. Oh, really? Oh, crikey. Yeah. If I don't have at least one of those in my every single time, unless I'm holding no, I guess I think about it if I'm holding no. But I, I, opening, with, opening with Catch Your Breath or Stick to the Plan is one of the things that I aim to do in basically every match. They're really good. Uh, They're really good. I think I send a mulligan when I, um, I don't know, like if I've just got a handful of um, take aims and dodges, I send a mulligan that out of game. Um, it, it, it very much depends on what I draw and what, 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 what um, the resources I have, really. I mean, fair enough too. Uh, obviously, there's always going to be that moment when you're looking ahead and you're like, "I might this might not be perfect, but it's great." Um, but yeah, the giving. I think the thing that I'm trying to focus on here is that um, the standard deck offers something that that kind of, to a certain extent, both TCOM and Sterling Forge are missing. Catch your breath and stick to the plan are both allowing you are both putting extra tactics into your hand. Right, they're giving you an edge over your opponent in terms of the number of tactics that you have available to play with, and that's something that neither TCOM nor Sterling Forge are actually doing. Um, I mean, TCOM can to a certain extent because it's knocking cards out of your opponent's hand. Not that often. Um, yeah. yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Um, catch your breath and stick to the plan. Um, uh, 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 adding what you wanted into your hand rather than denying your opponent what they wanted. And sure, the psychological impact of um, Broken Firewall and Mental Bug on your opponent are probably good, but like it's going to feel worse for them when you play Mental Bug and Broken Firewall um, because you're taking away things from them rather than gaining things for yourself. And even though mechanically that ends up being pretty equivalent, right? It, it's pretty mechanically equivalent for me to have an extra yeah. card versus you losing a card. But it feels worse to lose cards. So uh, I do wonder whether... <laughs> I'm a blue-black player <laughs> from back in the day. 
<laughs> and I know the joy of watching my opponent's face fall and their spirit just slowly get crushed as I not only deny everything that they play, but also deny everything that they thought they were going to be able to play before they can do it. Um, <laughs> Killing their dreams, basically. Exactly, exactly. It's, it's why I'm a high school teacher. Um, <laughs> <laughs> crushing dreams and grinding down hope. Um, but yeah, Mental Bug and Broken Firewall uh, uh, are hitting your opponent. They're not helping you pull more of what you want to be playing out of your deck, like catch your breath and stick to the plan do. And I think that people, I think that some people are going to miss that. Um, and and those are some pretty strong arguments in favor of sticking with the standard deck. Yeah, I don't think it's a case of these two being just better. I think they're just complete sort of... Um polar opposites with the, the core deck kind of sitting in the middle, which I presume is the yeah. entire point of them. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, and and losing and losing no is just going to be a big deal for a lot of people. I I can see I can see a lot of players, and I, I think I know exactly who they're going to be in my local meta. Um, looking at you, Manu, um, who aren't going to want to run TCOM or Sterling Forge. For the simple reason that it means they don't have no. Yeah. Uh, giving that up is just going to be too much of a deal. So let's look at the Eastos that can um, benefit from this. I think I've mentioned it before. Um, Oberon and Taru both can really pump this up. I think Oberon with his card draw and also like cards like Desire, which allows him to basically play a card from your deck from your discard pile again. Mm -hmm. uh, Destiny, which just kills card play for an entire turn, which certainly seems much better. Yep. Um, Despair, which again allows you to sort of draw cards from their decks and move them around. I think he really likes card manipulation. In fact, that's what he really does. And lots of specs, yeah. apart from silence, which is still very good. Oh, and dazzle, and stun. Yeah, um, <laughs> one of them is great. Um, but basically, he's really strong with the ability to do this sort of stuff. And Tower too. I mean, Tower obviously has a no card in there. Um, but as you said, like these two decks don't like to really have more cards in your hand, and Taru just killing your cards from your hand can just shut them down. And that's before you get before you go into no his extra no cards and uh, mind reading and um, other things you can do. Yeah, I can. Uh, like you'll be able to lean hard if you ran Tcom and Tawu. Um, you'd be able to lean very hard into denying your opponent cards in hand, and that would be very that would be a very frustrating thing to play up against. Um, the 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 ability to control your opponent's hand to the extent that the uh, Tcom deck combined with Tawu as an Aristo in your team is going to allow is just just going to be depressing. I think to play against. Often. I think having Tawu, yeah. Well, that too, uh, but I think also um, the fact that Sterling Forge gives up any card draw at all, um, but then the fact that Oberon gives such strong card draw, I, I mean, I really like Oberon as an Aristo, uh, but there have been moments where I've chosen not to run him on the basis that I didn't feel like the extra card draw, which is his strength, was something that I really needed. Um, but if I'm running Sterling Forge and I don't have any draw at all in my deck, then all of a sudden Oberon becomes a much more interesting choice um, and uh, a, a much more uh, potent addition to the overall capabilities of 
the team. Yeah. Yeah, the f- with reload, yeah. Um, I, I think that that's definitely going to be... I think Hannibal is a an Aristo who is going to work incredibly well with Sterling Forge, especially keeping in mind his overall aggressiveness and the aggressiveness that he encourages in um, team builds. Um, I can definitely see myself running um, an extremely aggressive team built around Hannibal, designed to frag early and frag often, running Sterling Forge, and just with the intention of basically playing against an empty hexadome. True. I I think it's going to be a choice similar to sponsor. So yes, I think you are going to be committing to TCOM or committing to Sterling Forge. We don't have the details of the wording on that yet, um, but I'll be quite surprised if that's not the case. Being able to substitute these in and out in between matches seems like it would be too strong. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like it'll be a more meaningful choice if you're forced to choose between them. But just coming back to other Aristos um, who will benefit from these decks, um, I think it's also important to highlight the um, the likes of the likes of Bichet, who I know I've mentioned before, um, but also Wild Bill and Mushashi. Um, if you think about it, the, the great thing about both of those Aristos is those triggered um, is those switches that they've got that I'll give them extra attacks, um, or at least one of the key things that makes them makes them terrifying but they those aren't the easiest switches in the world to hit um and i think the the the, the way these decks are designed um certainly sterling forge is going to help them um by giving them re-rolls on any of the dice that they're that they're rolling um and um but also um having dirty trick or prime time to simply trigger those whenever you need them to um, but even the likes of Maximus. I mean, um, Max is somebody who often struggles to fire his own um, his own mark, and and that can be frustrating. Um, and I think being able to to fire switches a little bit more consistently, a little bit more easily, is is going to be extremely useful for a lot of those aristocrats. So, did you want to have a quick chat about the Safe Traders Arena? Have you had a chance to have a look at that? Yeah, uh, uh, all we've really got to know, there, there was that one, uh, Bostria has done um, the unboxing with On Tabletop, uh, which is on YouTube, and he talked a little bit about it there, but it's Bostria, so, you know, <laughs> you always need to take anything that um, he's saying about how something will work in detail with a relatively large fistful of salt. Yeah, I I know that pain oh too well. <laughs> Say, say in things that are wrong from an informed perspective rather than an uninformed perspective. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm looking forward to finally joining. Yeah, tonight, uh, tomorrow night for you, tomorrow morning for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, not, not, not somebody I know. Is it somebody you know? Oh, awesome. Yeah, I must say locally, we're starting to target the Guild Ball community. Your guys' experience of coming across is making us making us down here realize that that's a, uh, a rich environment that we should perhaps be a little bit more evangelical into. Sell Aristea as an option. <laughs> a genuine pleasure. A whole bunch of combos that we just never saw coming and Aristos who are amazing with these decks that we didn't even think of. Thank you and goodbye.
Oh my. 